Good afternoon. It's Thursday, February the 23rd. My name is Cleo Flynn. You're welcome to English Time. We're on air in English here on Radio Suradeje every Thursday from 1 to 1.30 and you can listen back to the programme on your online platforms or through the links that I will post on the Adeje Town Hall Facebook page. Today we're going to hear from Ukrainians on the anniversary or the eve of the anniversary of the Russian invasion of their country and we'll have the monthly news roundup with Janet Anscombe. But first let's have a look at today's news headlines. Adeche Council have launched the Fidgetal Adeche 360-degree project, which will see the introduction of a series of measures designed to boost the commercial zone in Costa Adeche using new technologies and establishing a link between the commercial zone and the virtual world. The zone, Costa Adeche, will see the introduction of intelligent tourism signalling, creating an online platform assessing how businesses can reduce their carbon footprint using electro- electronic ticketing, etc. All of these measures are planned to be introduced within the next 18 months. Project Bitacora is a program created by the Adeke Department of Education with Councillor Maria Clavijo Massa and designed to allow schools use available resources to promote activities and complement the curriculum in each school. Each centre can design the activities they would feel would be of most interest to their students, depending on the program of educational events and projects underway. Among the excursions this year will be a visit to the world-class cheese farm in Montes de Oca which is based in Adeje, a visit to the Las Margaritas farm, a day out at the Telesfero Bravo Interpretive Centre and a visit to a bee centre. According to a report in today's Diario de Visos, microplastics have been detected in the snow on Mount Tady. Scientists have been taking samples over time and discovered the presence of significant concentrations. They are still to determine the exact origin of the microplastics, but studies continue. Earlier this month, 15 students who spent 11 months in training under the PFAE GJ Playamar graduated. They were awarded two professional certs in open water lifesaving and indoor water lifesaving, both at level two. As well as the two professional certificates, the students were awarded diplomas in related areas like use of defibrillators, oxygen therapy, open water diving and navigation license. A second group of students in the Bit a Bit program have also received their certs in information system operations and in parallel areas such as graphic design, video editing, Photoshop and fibre optics. Erasmus students from Germany, Turkey, Belgium, Italy and Ireland were in Adeche's historic town centre recently visiting as part of their week-long stay in the borough linked with the El Galeon Secondary School and the Los Olivas Primary School. The visit to the town saw the students spend time in the Convento de Our Lady of Guadalupe and St. Paul, the Santa Ursula Church and the Casa Fuerte and thanks to the family for allowing those visits. For carnival users, there's still time to party in Santa Cruz with the Children's Parade tomorrow, Friday, from 6pm and Carnival del Dia on Saturday from 1pm. And finally, legendary BBC Sports presenter John Motson, who had an illustrious 50-year career with the station, has died aged 77. Motson covered 10 World Cups, 10 European Championships and 29 FA Cup Finals for BBC Sport before retiring from the organisation in 2018. Popular, popularly known as Motti, he worked on Match of the Day since 1971. You're listening to English Time, Radio Sir Adeki with Cleo O'Flynn.
A year ago this week, Russia invaded Ukraine, and very soon many different countries were taking in those trying to escape the terror of the war that continues today. Last year, English Times spoke to Anna, from Ukraine but living here, and her husband David, who is English, who were trying to get family out at the time, and this week we spoke to them again. I first asked Anna if her family were now here, and if those family members who arrived here are doing okay. When the war started, my mom was here on holidays and um, then in the beginning of March, my sister-in-law and my niece and nephew came over and my uncle and his family and um, then my father only managed to come in January this year because he was scared to travel on his own and he was supporting my brother but recently he didn't look and sound uh, well so we've made decision to take him over here so he's with us at the moment and um, sleeping eating and um, started so smiling and um, spending a lot of time with his grandchildren and family. I'm sure those who wanted and uh, were able to, for, for different reasons, uh, escape from the war they have now, and thanks to the countries that um, accepted and help people integrating and supported them all over this year um, my family they are uh, I would say happy getting used to being here kids are at school they they are they are participating in all the activities. They are doing a lot of sports. We're keeping them busy. Um, obviously, they want to go home. They, they miss their friends and their father. My brother is still there in Ukraine and he is um, volunteering a lot, working hard, uh, helping the army. Um, obviously, he is saying it's really hard in the um, circumstances when they haven't got electricity for for days and being cold as well. Uh, there are issues, but people are strong. They believe in in what they're doing and. I then asked Anna if she or those close to her have lost family or friends in the war to date. Unfortunately, every Ukrainian family has someone who died uh, or is a victim of this terrible war. And Russia is attacking civilians, hospitals, schools, even uh, green uh, evacuation corridors uh, that's a dis disgusting war which the consequences of which we will suffer for, for, for a long time after Last year Anna had also told us about the problems she had with family and friends who were only following Russian news outlets and I wondered if that still persists 
I believe fewer Russian people believe their stupid Russian propaganda, especially now when um, their own families affected uh, with this war. Um, I'm talking about mobilizations in Russia and obviously sanctions that started working now. And David, who has seen what the war has done to his wife and his extended family, what are his thoughts? What would he say to Vladimir Zelensky, to Putin, if he could talk to them? A year on, and it's still so hard to imagine what's happening. Every day I see the suffering, every single day, the upset to family and to friends that words just can't describe. A friend of Anna's mum, a best friend, committed suicide after hearing and watching all the atrocities of Butcher, uh, fearing that this was going to be coming to her. Zelensky, I would firmly, firmly shake his hand, thanking for what they are all doing for the right to freedom and what they are all doing for us, the West and the rest of the world. What an incredible example of a leader to follow and absolutely 100% right not to back down to this aggressor who thinks for some reason that he has this right. How wrong he was. Putin, what I would really do and what I would say, I'm afraid cannot be said on the radio. Anna and myself and friends are doing all we can to support and to help our family during this very difficult period of life. My brother also in the UK has taken a family friend uh, into his home and is now integrated into society uh, and studying at school like so many other displaced children you cannot imagine uh, uh, around the world and are having to make new lives um, and families separated. Uh, To everybody around the world helping Ukraine, don't stop, don't give up. Just think and imagine what the Ukrainian people are doing, what what they are doing, what their families are going through every single day. Not just for them, but for all of us for freedom, for the better tomorrow, for us. Uh, I can't explain in words uh, the appreciation that I see from all these Ukrainian people uh, and what they show. Um, Just incredible. And that was David and Anna, and thank you to both of them for talking to me. I also caught up with uh, Katrina. She was in our studio a couple of months ago promoting a fundraising event. She couldn't be here today because she, she had to catch a flight, but I spoke to her this morning. Okay, I'm joined on the phone by Katrina Zimina. We spoke to her during the year, uh, and we're recording this because I know you're flying to Valencia, but I did want to talk to you as well as other Ukrainians because tomorrow is the anniversary of the invasion of Russia into your country, your Ukraine. First of all, personally, how, how are you feeling this week, Katrina? Uh, first of all, 
hello. Uh, thank you for your call and uh, thank you for not forgetting this tragedy. <laughs> and uh, about my emotion uh, now, it's uh, I feel like it happened just yesterday. But, okay. Um, I will never forget this date, and um, I'm really nervous when I uh, try to remember of, um, that uh, happened okay. years ago. Uh, now I work, uh, I have a um, flat, I uh, live my life, my son goes to the primaria, first grade in Los Abrigas, and uh, we have a simple life, uh, but I really want to go home. I like very like Tenerife, I like Canary Island, but I wait um, the victory of my country, the victory of all of democracy world and back home. This is my emotion. That's your dream? Yes. How long have you been here, Katrina? When did you leave Ukraine? And um, the beginning of March. Okay, so just after the war began. Uh, yes. Okay. And have you still family there? Um, have you lost? Have you lost touch with people? I mean, I don't uh, want to ask questions that will upset you. Um, I uh, have a touch with my husband. He's staying in Ukraine. He's a volunteer. And my sister uh, stay in Ukraine. And uh, they help um, many people to uh, to give the... Um, to give assistance. And, uh, yes. And um, mm, they saved, but uh, they... Um, Do you feel I they're always in danger? Yes, okay. it's always in danger. And uh, um, I'm scary about them, but they're not scary about uh, their <laughs> lives. It's very um, Ukrainian, really <laughs> Ukrainian people, <laughs> brave and... Oh, you're, you're so proud of them, obviously. Um, yes. Yes. And listen, Katrina, do we know how many people from Ukraine came to Spain and came to the Canary Islands in this year since that horrible day? Uh, I don't know how many Ukrainians are in the search of peaceful sky in uh, Canary Islands now and uh, during this year. Uh, I can speak only... For myself mm -hmm. and my family, I'm here with my son, and uh, we live uh, together. But uh, here I meet uh, very many Ukrainian people. I work in Ukrainian company, and uh, but I don't know how many people. Okay. And and have you felt welcomed here? I mean, in general, do you think that the Canary Islands has been a welcoming place for U Ukrainians escaping the war? Yes, it's uh, for sure. I uh, really, really uh, want to uh, say thank you, muchas gracias, to all of the Canadian people, to all of Spanish people, mm -hmm. uh, the government, uh, because uh, you give um, so much to okay. Ukrainian. You give the shelter, you give a peaceful sky to simple life. It's it's, it's important. But l important. like you said, the war in Ukraine is, many people will, will agree, it's a war for democracy. So yes. it's it's our war too, isn't it? Yeah, thank you I, for it. <laughs> I, I mean, I do believe that. But So what more can 
we do to help, I'm maybe in terms of funding or finance or politically? I mean, what do you think we can do? Um, I can just do what you do. Keep uh, doing what we're doing. Yes, uh, give uh, the help if you see that uh, it's needed. Uh, okay. Sometimes it's hard to people to ask to, uh, the help. Okay. Um, uh, help my country to win. Ukrainians pay very high uh, price. price mm-hmm. Yes, for our freedom. And um, I don't know. Okay. I know there's a demonstration on Saturday in Las Americas, um, and I can give people more details about that. But I mean, that's, that's just really a coming together of people, isn't it, in support and in solidarity? Uh, yes, uh, it will be in this Saturday, and uh, it will be the events um, to let the world don't forget about uh, there is still a war going on in Ukraine and uh, and that's all okay we haven't not forgiven no and and I hope and if we can help you know that we are here Katrina Radio Sword English Time will always have a microphone for you whenever you need to speak to us thank you thank you very much for your support thank you okay and thank you and good luck and I hope you and your son continue to enjoy a peaceful life here but that you get home when it's possible thank you thank you we wait wait so much okay bye bye Katrina bye bye and that demonstration by the way the rally is on on Saturday 12 midday in the Plaza Salatien that's this Saturday 12 midday Plaza Salatien let's have a quick bit of music appropriately zombie from the cranberries Dolores Keen uh, with the Cranberries, no longer with us, I'm afraid. Um, I just thought that song was appropriate following this, the discussion we had with Anna, with David and with Katrina. I would like to thank them all for talking to me on what must be quite an emotional week for them. Janet is with me. Janet, it is our monthly roundup of the news, but you might have heard those interviews. Obviously, the, the top of everyone's news agenda at the moment is the anniversary of the war. Indeed, and... Um what can one say other than, for me, 
we call it a war, and I suppose after a year, there's very little way to call it anything other than a war. Mm -hmm. But it's an invasion, isn't it? It it is an appropriation of territory. It is Russian aggression. It is an invasion. And I feel I need to call it, for my own state of mind, I need to call it an invasion rather than fall back on, on war. Well, anyway, I mean, and, and the, the signs seem Terrible. to be that it will go on for a long time still. So I fear it will. And the one spark of hope lately has been how united the EU has been in, insofar as it's possible to get unity, but also how strong Joe Biden has been. Yes, yeah, and his, his surprise support, visit. Uh, you know. Anyway. Uh, that is something, no doubt, we will come back to. But let, let's spend the bit of time we have as well on on things. The one thing that kind of uh, leapt out at me from the Spanish Diario de Visos today was microplastics on Teddy. This is it, sad. It, it is extraordinarily sad because we we all know plastic pollution exists. We all we've all seen pictures of bottles and you know. The, and the, the little bits of plastic on the beaches nowadays as exactly. well that wash up. I mean, we, we've seen them ever, and we're all very conscious. But what we are less conscious of is how that translates into infection in spaces that you would never expect to find microplastics. And we're always talking microplastics rather than bottles or sure. discarded um, cartons. And a recent research by the analytical chemical research group in the University of La Laguna, in fact, has found microplastics in the snow. Um, in a recent study, right at the top of Teide, they have looked at three places in the National Park, mm-hmm. um, 2,000 metres where we are all allowed to go, and then a remote area where fewer people go, 2,500 metres, but they also looked as right at the peak between 3,100 and 3,200 metres. That is virtually right at the very top crater. And they found in the snow up there where hardly anybody goes, um, microplastics. So that means it's falling in the snow. They're not... It's coming in the snow. Our, the environment is such now that these microplastics are even being lifted up through the air forming part of rain, which, of course, then falls as snow. They they are everywhere now. So what one can do about this, I do not know. Mm. But it is utterly tragic to read that in such an elevated, isolated, pristine environment... Pristine was the word I was going to use because I saw it in the... And it means that the word pristine kind of loses its meaning, too. (laughs) I I think it does. If, If even virtually at the top of Mount Tady, which... Is, is, you know, an incredible, nearly 4,000 metres yeah. high. Snow up there, microplastics, celluloids, polyesters, acrylic microfibers. It, it's absolutely tragic. Oh, what we can do about it, I don't know, but we, I suppose we can all play a little part in trying to reduce our own footprint. Indeed, but the problem is the only major thing we one. Can do. All right, yeah. um, moving on, moving, haha, this is a pun because I want to ask you about driving licenses. <laughs> I mean, this has been. Poor old, the poor old ambassador needs to post a video nearly every week because people are getting more and more frustrated that the issue of British driving licences for residents in Spain hasn't been resolved. Is there an update? The latest update was yesterday, in fact, and really, I'm afraid it wasn't much of an update. He himself 
you know, says he understands the frustration of those affected and that he and his team are doing all they can working with Spain. It is basically done. It's a done deal, but it needs to go through Parliament and it needs to become um, part of legislation. And that seems to be where the holdup is. The diplomatic corps are not, they never have been responsible for doing more than the negotiating. They have no sign-off powers and they have no means of putting pressure on Spain. And for those who think, well, surely Spain wants tourists. Yeah, but tourists aren't affected because tourists can use their UK driving licences. This is a resident issue. And I'm afraid following Brexit, British concerns are not at the top of Spain's list. (sighs) Well, we'll see how that goes. Um, Staying then with Brexit or not, because I heard a BBC reporter today saying about this topic, uh, it's a problem of the supply chain, but it's not Brexit. And I'm talking about the lack of fruit and veg and, you know, what looks like wartime limits on purchasing in Aldi and in Tesco's back in the UK. They can't buy tomatoes. They can't buy cucumbers. But they're saying it's a European-wide problem. Is it? I am... On live on a municipal radio station, so I will watch my language and <laughs> I will merely say that is utter tosh. Right. <laughs> um, there are absolutely no supply. Even the former CEO of Sainsbury's this morning on the radio in the, in the UK has said, of course it's Brexit. The BBC interviewer was notably very uncomfortable with this because they obviously have a narrative to follow which presumably is government-informed, that it is nothing to do with Brexit. The the CEO, the former CEO, Tony King, I think his name is, is of um, Sainsbury's, is saying there are two main issues. We've all got energy problems. We've all got weather problems throughout Europe. And yet in Europe there are not these shortages. So what is causing it? Let's let's be smart here. Sorry? Let's be smart here. Like, Let's call a spade a spade. Absolutely, let's call a spade a spade. And what he is saying is there are two main issues. First of all, throughout Europe, the governments have a coordinated agriculture policy and supply and delivery policies. And what is more, they recognize the energy crisis and the cost of living crisis, and they have supported farmers. In the UK, this is not happening. For whatever its reasons might be, the British government has chosen to financially support its friends and itself rather than its own farmers. Therefore, they can't afford to grow the food. Even if they could afford to grow the food, they would not be able to supply the UK fully. So imports would be needed. And when it comes to imports, if somebody thinks the weather is a bigger issue in preventing imports than Brexit, I suggest they give their head a wobble, as James O'Brien might say. Maybe they could try and import them, bring them up through the Republic of Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) While there is no land border on the Republic of Ireland, that might not take too long to re-impose. Let's see what happens. Very quickly, I'm going to play you out with what is not your favourite Spanish Eurovision entry. This is uh, Ia Ia. Or but good it, luck to it. But yeah. good luck to it all the same. I know. It, it was chosen last week over our own Agonai. We're going to play out with the Eurovision entry for Spain because very soon, Janet, we're going to have to talk more and more Eurovision. But for oh, now... what a pity. What a pity. <laughs> for, for now, thank you, Janet Anscombe. Thank you to You're everybody listening. Welcome. To Gonzalo Lopez in the control room, my name is Cleo Flynn. Let's have a quick taste of Spain on our way out. <laughs> Mi niño, mi 
been told it's ea ea, not ea ea. I'm going to have to say the Spanish name properly. This lads is ea ea. <laughs> Abriguito pa' tu pelo